I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, how a line of boulders placed on a San Francisco sidewalk has come to symbolize the tension over homelessness and street conditions in the city. Reporter Kevin Fagan and columnist Heather Knight are here to get us up to speed on the fight over the rocks. It has played out on an out-of-the-way street called Clinton Park, where neighbors said they were being overrun by tent camps and drug dealing and had to do something about it. Why did the neighbors order up the boulders? Why are activists so upset? And what is the city doing in response? Kevin and Heather will give us the answers right after this. Kevin Fagan and Heather Knight, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. All right. So I want to start off, I want to get to why this is such a symbol of San Francisco, the boulders on Clinton Park. But first, Kevin, can you just bring us up to speed on how we got here with the boulders? Well, a couple of weeks ago, a bunch of residents on Clinton Park Alley decided they wanted to do something about what they said was rampant drug dealing and big tent camps outside their houses. So they pooled together about 2000 bucks, got a bunch of 24 big boulders and had them plunked down on the sidewalk. Uh, right outside where they live. They thought this would stop the big tents from going up. This would stop the problems. And it kind of did. Then people started to notice this. Activists got involved. The media got involved. Pretty soon it became a big deal. And activists started rolling these things into the street. And then the city would come by and roll them back onto the sidewalk because the city determined that they weren't blocking the sidewalk enough to be illegal. And it was okay for the residents to put them there. Well, this went back and forth, back and forth. And today, Monday, the city removed the boulders into a storage spot uh, where they will stay until someone figures out what to do with them. And why did the city move the boulders off the street? It became too hot. The residents were getting harassed pretty viciously uh, online, at the works places that they have at their homes. Uh, They'd come out of their doorways and people would be having cell phones in their faces and screaming at them, calling them terrible names. And these are just normal people. And they kind of folded under under the heat. So Heather, you write in your column that is coming out this morning that the boulders have come to symbolize the anger and frustration over our incredibly wealthy city's total inability to provide basic services to its swelling homeless population or enforce laws when street behavior turns dark and violent. So I imagine you weren't surprised when this story came to be something larger than just a fight between <laughs> It's a about a lot more than rocks. Yeah, tell us about that. Um, I went out onto the street this morning. The rocks by that point were still there with some yellow police tape and orange cones around them and a bunch of media just standing around. And I talked to some neighbors. It was pretty striking because one woman was um, stomping down the street, really annoyed that the scene was still there and kind of yelled at the media, don't you have anything more to report on than a bunch of rocks? And so (laughs) I followed her and it's like, I do want to report on more than rocks, so let's talk. Um, And we did. And I understood that um, these people are, for the most part, seem like nice, thoughtful people. I think probably buying um, boulders for $2,000 may not have been (laughs) the savviest move. But um, like she works at UCSF. Um, She's an occupational therapist. I talked to a guy who had a stethoscope around his neck and treats um, drug addicted people in the Tenderloin and South of Market. Another man is a volunteer at St. John's um, serving food to homeless people. These aren't like your stereotypical villains. Um, There was just a lot more nuance to this story that I don't think had had gotten across um, before. And it just came 
a lot of them were lamenting that such a wealthy city with a $12.3 billion annual budget can't even afford shelter beds, just the merest of cots with pillows for more than a thousand people who are on the waiting list every night. They don't understand where this money and energy is going. They also don't understand why they're being deemed as so evil for not wanting, you know, drug dens outside their front doors, which I understood as well. So, yeah. So it's late at their doorstep. These issues that they believe should be solved at a at a city level, uh-huh. and this is why I think this has touched a nerve. Right? Is that you know what do you do? Um, Kevin, why are the activists so upset and why are they continually pushing the boulders into the street? Well, the activists I talked to said this is a macro issue. If you really don't want homeless people in front of your homes, uh, go advocate for shelter policy, housing policy, more services, that kind of thing, and take it on in 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 a bigger level. Well, the trouble for the residents is That's all well and good. And I think, like Heather found, a lot of them are behind that kind of – they support that kind of policy change. Meanwhile, they have people in front of their houses. I was hearing descriptions of drug dealers at 2 in the morning flashing knives, flashing guns, screaming at each other, yelling at each other, playing loud music. Uh, This this is not something any – you know, anyone wants to have right outside their window. So they're in a in a dilemma. Uh, they don't like that behavior. They want better policy. What do you do in the meantime? I think part of the problem is that all of that behavior gets lumped in with homelessness. And so if you complain about an encampment that has weapons and drug dealing, and um, I heard uh, the doctor said he thought that it was meth that was being dealt there and that a lot of people were displaying meth-induced psychosis, that if you don't want that on your doorstep, then you're anti-homeless. I mean, these are two separate issues, and I think that criminal behavior and homelessness need to be treated as two separate issues and not just lumped all together. And that's what I was hearing from activists, too. They'll acknowledge. There is a difference between a person trying to, to, to get a night's sleep in a sleeping bag, maybe even in a tent, and rampant drug use and behavior and, and dealing uh, trouble. And Heather, you lamented the sort of overall conversation around this and the extremes out there. You, you were on the street. Can you kind of talk about that? I mean, the conversation um, seems to immediately get polarized on a situation like this. Yeah, there were a lot of videos shared on Twitter and other social media over the weekend of people screaming at each other, get off my street. Why do you have these rocks you want to boulder pushed at you? Like just so much screaming and no um, discussion. In my opinion, the finger really needs to be pointed at City Hall. Um, I talked in my column about public works. Um, They're actually putting up boulders themselves um, in the hairball, you know, that kind of web of freeways in Potrero Hill. There are boulders that the city bought and put there. Nobody for some reason complained about those or rolled those into the freeway. Um, They've put metal barriers all over sidewalks throughout San Francisco to try to prevent these encampments. Um, They are dismantling tents and taking homeless people's possessions, even though the mayor says that's not happening. Um, So I just think a lot of this blame needs to be placed at the foot of City Hall, which has $12.3 billion to spend and could be doing a lot better job. Yeah, and Kevin, we were talking earlier, you mentioned anti-homeless architecture. Absolutely. And I hadn't heard that term, but what is that? Yeah, this has been around for 20 years, anti-homeless architecture and anti-homeless landscaping. It's when you take a a bus shelter uh, bench, for instance, and you put handles on it so you can't lay down on it. Or you redesign a doorway so people can't sleep in it. It's it's altering the, the environment so the homeless people can't use it. And that's a complaint of activists on this particular situation right now, that boulders are, are just doing that. It's, it's hostile to homeless people. For the residents, it's, 
it's trying to ward away trouble. For the activists, it's hostile to homeless people. I think we could all agree that it's not ideal to have you know, encampments, drug dealing outside your home. What should people do in this situation? Boy, that's a tough one. You call the police when things get rough. They did call the police, like Heather's going to— 250 times or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they they came, but they're limited in what—they feel they're limited in what they can do. Now, what some of the activists said is, if you got rampant drug dealing and people flashing knives and guns, uh, arrest them. Uh, Move them away. The the police move tents or, or facilitate the moving of tents all the time, like Heather said. Uh, how come this didn't happen in this particular neighborhood? It's 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 ugly. Mm-hmm. But Heather, the other side of that is you know is the argument of activists saying that this is just pushing people to another location. This one group is going to put out boulders. That means that people will go somewhere else, maybe go to a different neighborhood, um, and there's not enough homes. Mm-hmm. So how do we find a balance between these two things? I'd really like to see a right to shelter. I looked at the shelter waiting list as it stands right now. There's more than a thousand people on the waiting list. I only had to go down to number 22 on the list to find someone who's 77 years old. Somebody who's pushing 80 is sleeping outside today in a city with, like I've said, uh, more than $12 billion to spend and the highest um, per capita of billionaires of any city in the world. And it just seems like if we could just open a thousand more beds, a lot of this would be addressed. And I don't understand why it's so hard to do that. Yeah. So, Kevin, um, tell us what happens next. Um, you know, is this is this story gone for good? Um, are we still going to be back out at Clinton Park in the future? I have a feeling we will, because the city says that uh, they're looking at landscaping or bigger boulders. <laughs> I couldn't believe the they actually said that. That was yeah. like an onion headline. Yeah, that the was... problem was the boulders were not big enough. Yeah. That's what Mohammed Nuru said. Yeah, big, they want to. They're considering making big enough, big enough not to move. And that's the public works director, Mohammed yep. Nuru. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they may bring back larger rocks if people cannot <laughs> push them into the street. That's necessitating that public works. Yeah, and God lift knows what. Back. Yeah, who knows what could happen to big boulders too? I mean, it, you can mess up a lot of things if you put your mind to it. It's 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 going to take some community dialogue, I think, and some deeper understanding. I'd really like to see the mayor give her department heads a more overarching vision. How are we all going to address this together? Because so many of them are just working in a siloed um, way where it doesn't seem like. We saw Mohammed Nuru out there all the time talking about the size of the boulders, but what are the rest of the department heads doing? This is, you know, such an overarching San Francisco problem that it doesn't seem like it should be up to one department to handle it on its own. And I'd like to see more of uh, what are we going to do about this across the board? Yeah, his job is just to clear the street, really. He's, he's not a social engineering guy and shouldn't be expected to be a social engineering guy. Yeah. So a, a final word, Heather. Do incidents like this make a difference? I mean, people put out the rocks in order to try to get rid of this immediate problem. But you almost get a sense that they maybe also wanted some of the attention to say, hey, look at the lengths to which we have to go to draw attention to this. Mm -hmm. Is this going to lead to anything? I'd be surprised if anybody went um, back anytime soon and set up a tent camp in that exact spot because there's so much, so many eyes on it right now. Um, but of course, they're going to set it up somewhere else. So it's just, like we said, it's moving around and yeah. we need to find more permanent solutions. And, but what about a, a policy level? I mean, are our supervisors, are the mayor likely to look at something like this? Look at the fact that San Francisco is in the news for a fight over rocks <laughs> in the street and think, hey, we need to, to do something different. 
Well, San Francisco is in the news for a lot of bad things these days, so it's pretty sad what our city's reputation has become. And they have some pretty creative supervisors. I wouldn't count this thing out at all. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming in, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to our guests, reporter Kevin Fagan and columnist Heather Knight. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.